Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you will be listening to PSY 203 General Psychology with Professor Mark Hunter. I hope you listen and enjoy. Module 3, we're going to talk about the foundations of the neural and hormonal systems. In psychology, we are um, associating a lot of our work with uh, the nervous system and the brain. And so a basic understanding of that is helpful. Um, as I mentioned in the previous video, we are biopsychosocial systems. We're all uh, related to our biology, our psychology, and our culture. And so we want to have a better understanding of how that interacts. And biological psychologists focus on the biology of that. Um, one of the things that's um, helpful about studying human beings is that neuroplasticity makes the human brain unique. Now what that means is that anytime there's a damage or a change in our neural pathways, our brain is designed to uh, circumvent those problems and create new roads, just like if there was a, a problem and a road being worked on and you take a detour. That's what our brain does. And so here is a, uh, a slide of what a neuron is. And as you can see, the cell body is where it, that side of the neuron receives the electrochemical responses from a neuron that's uh, adjacent to it. It sends an electrical signal through the axon, and then on the terminal branches, it sends out electrochemical um, neurotransmitters to the next neuron. And so we have about 86 billion of these in our brain, and so this is the basic building block that God has provided us to have in our nervous system, how we think and our, and our different senses. So this is just a quick understanding of how the neurons don't really touch each other. They send electrical chemical signals back and forth. And so I encourage you to look at that more deeply in MindTap and in your textbook. So we have basically our nervous system is, is divided into two main areas. And we have a central nervous system, which is our brain and our spinal cord. And then we have a peripheral nervous system that sends signals or receives signals throughout our legs, our hands, our feet. And uh, so it, it communicates all these things up to our brain. So this nervous system acts very quickly, and, uh, but it sends passages and information from one part of the body to the other and it takes place in the brain. And if you look on this video, uh, excuse me, this slide, you'll notice that different locations on our spinal cord are correspond to different locations in our body. So if you were to receive an injury at a different location on a lower part of your body on the spinal cord, um, the lower extremities of your body would be affected. And so we um, are, uh, are nervous system, excuse me, our somatic system within the body enables us to make muscle control, to move, to run, and to jump. But our autonomic nervous systems are the nervous system that really has us uh, breathing, has us um, heart beating, has, we, you know, our eye, uh, 
um, links and, and things that we don't really think about. It just automatically happens. When we get excited about something or we get nervous or we get um, uh, worked up or uh, anything like that and our heart moves faster, our uh, we breathing increases, that's part of the sympathetic nervous system. What that does is body's way of sending blood and energy to the parts of the body you need. But after that danger is over, then we calm down. That's the parasympathetic nervous system. So neural networks take a stimulus, such as the, the heat from the candle, sends it through our fingers and the nerves there, up through our arms and into our uh, spinal column, up to the brain. And then it, there's a two-way communication. One, we have received an uh, unpleasant stimulus, and then the brain says, remove yourself from that. Now, of course, it happens very quickly. And some of these are simple reflexes that actually don't even have to go to the brain. It just communicates with the spinal cord. Our endocrine system is the slow chemical communication system. It's a set of glands that we have, and it sends um, the chemicals through the bloodstream. So uh, you've probably heard of different um, types of glands, such as hormones and adrenal glands, pituitary glands, which is referred to as the master gland. And you can see by the diagram here the different locations and different functions that they have. In module four, we're looking at the older brain and what the, uh, and the limbic system. And when we're trying to, uh, this is a great time in psychology because we're able to see the activity of the brain when it's actually happening. And when we look at the, um, the uh, view on the left, um, the ventricle with pointed by the arrow, that is a, um, the ventricle of a, of a normal, healthy individual. But when we look on the one on the right, it's someone with Alzheimer's. And so we can start to see that there's a physical difference between uh, the brain structures of different uh, disabilities or different diseases. And this is, gives us further understanding in this field. So our older brain, which is located at the base of your skull, is functions without any conscious effort. We uh, don't have to remember to breathe or heart to beat. It just happens automatically. And our brain stem, which is right at the, you know, the base of the brain, is the central brain core, and it's our survival system. And so we're not going to go into the details of every part of the brain uh, for this video, but I encourage you to, to read more closely in your text to do so. Um, we have parts of the brain that are called the thalamus, the reticular formation, the cerebellum, and um, so these are structures that are found in um, less intelligent animals, things that we share with, um, uh, with animals that, that are vertebrates, that have a spinal column, but don't have the higher intelligence. But just as they have to breathe and we have to breathe, we share some of these same brain structures. Um, our limbic system is really regulates our emotions and our drives. We sometimes think of uh, the brain as focusing mainly on thought and you know how to do math problems or things like that. But our emotions are also controlled there as well. And so 
This um, kind of semicircular area there in the diagram is includes the different aspects and parts of the limbic system, which helps regulate both the emotions that we have and our drives, our desires, what we want to have, our hunger or, or anything like that to seek some pleasure. The cerebral cortex, which is described in module five, is really the, the information processing. So this is the part of the brain that you're using right now to understand what I'm referring to as you're reading your book, as you're listening to your lectures, and it's, um, about 23 billion nerve cells. Uh, but all these nerves have different branches at the end, so there's around 300 trillion synaptic connections, those little branches at the end of the neurons uh, connecting. And so we have, our brain is divided into two halves, left half and the right half, and there's a lot of connection. You may have heard the term that we only use 90% of our brain, which is really untrue. We use all of our brain, it's just the different connections that we have. And the left brain and the right brain are communicating with each other all the time. Uh, the left side of your brain controls the right side of your body, and your right side controls your left. Um, and then each of those hemispheres are divided into four different lobes. Uh, the frontal lobe, which is around, you know, right behind your uh, forehead, which controls um, your, your higher level thinking. And the parietal and occipital lobe, which is the back of your brain, which has to do with um, your vision. So that's where uh, the information is processed uh, in the back of your brain with vision. And as you can see, there's a something we call um, sensory cortex, which is really a band that goes across your brain. Just think of it like a headband that you may wear. And different parts of your body is controlled by different locations on that sensory cortex. And the diagram here gives you a good understanding of what part of your body is controlled where in your brain. We have a um, uh, little bit more detailed here and I encourage you to uh, to maybe pause the video and read the uh, description more carefully or go into MindTap and look at that. But, um, you know, our sensory cortex or uh, somatosensory cortex receives the information from what we have impulses and re uh, things that we get from our skin and the movement of our body parts. So if you're playing a sport or something, you know, that information is going through that part of your brain. And again, the visual cortex is what's receiving the vision, the, the sight that we have and where that, all that's taking place and input from the eyes and making sense of that. Um, our auditory cortex is located near our ears and it receives information and uh, connects that and um, allows, but even when you're seeing someone or hearing someone, you're making connections between those different uh, parts of your brain. Um, sometimes we have parts of our brain that are really not involved in our primary work and senses, but are making associations between things. So when you're learning a subject now, you're associating the words that you see on the page with a meaning that you've learned elsewhere. And the video that I'm making now is causing different associations to be formed. And so 
these are uh, real powerful parts of our brain that start making sense of our world. The, um, if any time the brain gets damaged, I mentioned this earlier on, that we do have this area called neuroplasticity, that we're able to uh, make detours in our neural pathways to deal with things. Now, not every part of the brain can do that. You've seen someone who's paralyzed if there's a severe brain injury or a spinal cord injury. But um, if, um, especially if a child is younger, if there is some kind of damage, they are able to form new pathways. And uh, sometimes uh, neurogenesis or the formation of new neurons can take place as well. I mentioned before about how our brain is divided. As you can see here, the left side looks, uh, controls the right side of the brain, the right side controls the left side of the brain. So anything that you see in the right visual field is really processed in the left side of your brain and then sent back to the occipital lobe in the back of your brain. So um, you may have heard the term right brain, left brain, and, and yes, there are uh, actual um, you know conditions that your brain your right hemisphere tends to allow us to make speech and we have more self-aware and left hand side of your brain is more math task but there's always communication happening within those areas so you know we if we said I'm left-handed so I'm right-brained um, you know you may have some qualities but um, with creativity and things but your brain is communicating at all times with each other and then the, the role of genetics. So um, then this can be um, you know, pretty detailed, but you probably be f are familiar with DNA and that our genetic information is put there and which is put in our chromosomes, which is stored in, our, um, in the cell nucleus. And this gives us an uh, understanding of who we are. This is sort of our blueprint that we carry with us in, within any environment. However, we are just not genes and DNA. We do have interaction with our environment and that really does have an impact. And one of the things that psychologists do is like to understand and study identical twins because these are um, DNA identical people. A fraternal twin are just uh, two babies that happen to share the same womb at the same time. However, uh, when you're looking at identical twins, you can do some uh, interesting ideas and correlations, and especially if the twins were raised in different environments and see the different impact. And your textbook goes into more detail about that. Um, and when we talk about natural selection, we're just saying that how do uh, individuals, how do, um, we've known of animals, but how do even humans respond in different environments? Um, what is needed to survive in that environment? What skills and what thought patterns, what behaviors are needed? And so that is um, taking uh, the idea that we have to connect with our environment and be adapted to that. And so uh, I, I encourage you to look at your textbook to have a further explanation of that. And so evolutionary psychology today is really trying to understand about what, how does the environment make an impact on our psychology. Uh, a new example would be the uh, use of technology and where everyone has a smartphone 
and we have screen times, and how is that affecting the way we think and, our, and how children are raised? So that would be an aspect of evolutionary psychology is changing the environment, and does the environment change our psychology? Thank you.